Okay. Um, they, she was saying how um, our vagal nerve, do you guys, are you guys familiar with what that is? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's like, uh, it, it helps us have emotional resilience. And so she said that you can do things to help your body to um, be more emotionally resilient. And, and uh, humming is one of those things. Even um, it's somewhere, somewhere inside. I don't know where exactly, but um, humming, singing, mm-hmm. um, even coughing, gargling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't remember all the things now, but um, so when we want to, when we have stress that we can intentionally do those things and that will help us to um, calm down and get the stress out of our, so, so I, I just found it interesting that you woke up humming <laughs> yeah because i wasn't stressed i was very <laughs> relaxed because i put myself just sleep <laughs> i don't know, yeah, it, I know. It, it's it, yeah it helps with your sympathetic and your parasympathetic system and mm-hmm. anyway that was my little tidbit mm-hmm. that's yeah. interesting i find a, a lot of that like humming and and, and singing and stuff it, it does like kind of release that i forget what i was reading just this last week <clears throat> i don't know anyway something about the the power of music well i'm gonna have to remember that one sorry i thought i had it <laughs> but anyway that they realized uh the power of music was much more power oh lance richardson yeah um so the the they saw our day guy mm-hmm. right Anyway, his near-death experience where he goes into the spirit world and stuff, um, he talks about the power of music over there to, to heal and, and everything. Anyway, it was a... I read that in, in the early 2000s, like 2004 or 2005. Yeah, I'd it's recommend... It's been so long, I, I don't remember night. a lot about it. I don't either. I did read it, like, probably the same time as you did. Uh-huh. The story about him going to his dad going to the state capitol and doing his work. And then he was supposed to catch, he always caught the same flight, but this time it was full. So he had to catch a different flight and he was going to go back to Idaho Falls and give his son a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just really hit me because he'd forgotten and his son was there and came and whispered in his ear, don't forget your flight leaves early. And at that point, he looked at his watch and went, oh my gosh, I have to leave. My flight is leaving early because it's not the flight I'm normally on. Yeah. And there's so many times when I remember things and I think, I wonder if someone whispered that in my ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it was interesting in that part of the story too, where um, the grandpa who is with Lance as spirits you know doing this thing or whatever the grandpa turns to Lance and says you'll be fine now not he'll be fine now but you'll be fine now because he's gonna make it to give you a blessing like your body a blessing kind of thing right. or whatever. I was like interesting that it's just kind of how all of that works on, on the other side yeah I'd forgotten his grandpa was with him I'd totally forgotten that mm-hmm 
but yeah, it, it's a really good book. I mean, it's just little tiny, uh, yep. fun read. I've been doing a lot with um, Lance Richardson's materials lately and reading all the stuff. It, it's been such a fun journey. Do you have other books? Uh-huh, yeah. Um, so like the two-part fictional series, uh, Zion, um, Larry Barkdell's the main author, but Lance Richardson and Ron McMillan. Ron I knew Larry Barkdell. His Lance's granddaughter cousin. went to school with our kids and I actually uh -huh. talked to him one time. Oh, fun. At a yeah. graduation, at Caleb's graduation. Yeah, real. but both of them have passed away now, right? Uh-huh, yeah. So Ron McMillan is Lance's cousin and Ron is the only one still alive. Yeah. But I didn't know Larry Barkdell basically wrote Triumph of Zion just from a different perspective in like a, a six, seven part series. Like, anyway, it's it's so good. Holy cow. Is that on Meridian Magazine? Uh, It might be. I don't know. I bought them just like Oh, okay. I thought it was something. Okay. My book list always gets so much longer after we have one of these meetings. <laughs> No, <laughs> I was just reading from our ham radio discussion last week. This is what I ended up ordering essential oils pocket reference. <laughs> so I was sitting here reading, but what I wanted to look for wasn't in here. And I was really bummed about that. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to screenshot it, Cameron. Okay. So this is the two part fictional series. Whoops, sorry. There you go. I did it. Thank you. And then <laughs> I don't know. You'll probably need like two screenshots. But um, this is the seven part series for for Zion. Whoops. Hang on. I had no idea. I've never heard of this. Yay! Yeah, so these are nonfiction. These are this is basically Triumph of Zion, but from a different author than John Pontius. But everything in here is so good so like the different no poor among them the pure in heart the law of consecration as the third pillar of zion um the oath and covenant of the priesthood which is the second pillar of zion the new and everlasting covenant which is the first pillar of zion our origin and destiny and then portrait of a zion person Anyway, it, it's a really, I haven't went through the entire thing, but uh, I've started and it's so good. You said it's fiction? No, it's not fiction. Oh, okay. I was going, I'm so confused if it's fiction. These two are fiction, but that other one's not. So um, what they did with these two fictional ones was they took all of Lance's research amongst all the Hopi tribes and everything. And uh, Larry's work with the the actual books of Enoch and the Apocrypha, Dead Sea Scrolls and everything, and Ron's work with something, I don't know. Anyway, they all three of them brought together all of their minds and created a fictional series to tie all of the stories together. And so it's much like Pontius's fictional series where he takes all of his learning and then compresses it into a, a, a fictional story kind of thing. Anyway, it's really good. Did it go kind of crazy like John's did? Um, I don't know. Like I, I read the first one. It didn't go crazy at all. Um, the second one, I'm like halfway through and, and it's still pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. I I went through the first of, of John's, but I haven't started 
John's second one yet. I think I might have those books because I have the Three Pillars of Zion book that's like really thick. And I think they said it was like um, all of those books put together in one. Maybe, yeah. Because, um, yeah, out of the seven books, there's three of them. There's the first, second, and third pillar. And they might have done like a, a book that had all three of those together. It's a five book series collection describing the three covenants that form the foundation of a Zion person's life. Mm-hmm. That's what the three pillars of Zion is. How many books are in yours? Is it more than seven. five? It's yeah, seven. there's seven in this one. Yeah, this one's five books in one. Oh, wait. I think it might tell me what they are. Zion. Oh, man. Our origin and destiny. The first pillar of Zion, the second pillar, the third pillar. And then the pure in heart is what it is. Okay. So it's one through five. It doesn't have the sixth one. No four among them. And uh, the very first one, the portrait of a Zion person. So I started it and it was really good. And then I stopped reading it. And um, it's been popping back up in my life lately. And I'm like, I think I need to read that. Exactly. That's how all of these things are. Like I'm studying for ordinations and then all of a sudden it'll be like, go read this book or go read this chapter somewhere here and stuff. Uh-huh. Like, all right. It's, it's a weird journey, but. <laughs> okay. Did you say it's no, no poor, among, no poor, the pillars of Zion, no poor. Is that one I don't have? Yeah, correct. That one. And then what was the other one? Portrait of a Zion person. Uh, okay. So it's on thrift books. It's 1593. One of them. The first one is out of stock. Oh, 1593 save six cents. <laughs> <laughs> and they have 50 available. So. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go ahead and <laughs> because we we haven't even said a prayer or anything guys for shannon and laura who come in later but (laughs) um let's go ahead and and start and uh, get into translation (laughs) um let's see i haven't prayed for a while Uh, i'll go ahead and say it our dear heavenly father we're grateful for our many blessings and thankful for this time to, to gather together on a saturday morning as friends to discuss translation we're grateful for the um information and uh things that we are reading we pray for by discernment that we may be able to um, glean what is there for each of us in our own personal journeys that we need to incorporate into our lives that we may uh, grow in our our spiritual gifts and blessings that we may heal and and help those around us to to progress as well we're so grateful for our anti-missions for the four ordinations Uh, please grant us a vision that we may be able to uh, to pierce the veil and and see or witness or um, recognize what our end-time missions are and how we might best fulfill them as we, we proceed forth in, in the coming days. We're grateful for the light and knowledge that thou has already given us, and we pray for thy spirit to be with us, to open our minds to new possibilities and to um, the questions that we need to ask in order to receive the, the gifts that thou hast ready for us to, to assume at this time. We're so grateful for all of our many blessings. We are grateful um, for the members of, uh, of this book club that we can 
have time to study together and we ask these blessings in the name of thy son jesus christ amen, amen. all right so um we're on pages 223 through 237 so um, there on Learning Zion, you can download the, the PDF and uh, follow along. Um, if you're reading anything, you know, if you happen to, to have a page number kind of a thing, that'd be helpful so that we can all kind of find it. Since it's a, <laughs> nobody has the, the book, it's kind of a hard book club to, to be on. But um, we're going to be starting with the section, uh, what seeking a better resurrection has to do with being translated and going through um, the full activation of the eighth chakra. So, I don't know, what do you guys want to talk about um, <laughs> as we uh, start uh, going down uh, this road? So, there's lots of like the bullet points. I don't know if you want to discuss those or anyway, I'm just kind of leaving it up to, to everybody else. What did you, what do you find interesting and, and want to study about uh, these sections? So, Cameron, what did it mean about the chakra? at the top of your head when he said that crown chakra uh -huh, yeah, yeah. So are you familiar with the, the eight chakras yeah just just the light surface knowledge that's uh -huh. it i haven't gotten deep in that yet uh-huh yeah so like we have eight chakras in our body and um so they they start at like one being like your your base and they go up to the eighth <laughs> one which is actually um you know just just above your actual head so you have your crown chakra and then you have your eighth chakra which is kind of your um that's where light enters and and uh, it's your connection to god kind of a thing and so if that is off if your if your chakra is blocked or not working properly then you're not able to to communicate with heaven as well and um and hear him kind of a thing and so um, it's important to, to activate that eighth chakra so that we can uh, receive, give and receive communications from, from God uh, in, in greater ways. And um, was it not in chapter 17, I think earlier on, where it talked about uh, the calcification of the pineal gland that, that you know, blocks that, that communication? So mm -hmm. Chlorine and fluoride and, and some of those chemicals block that eighth chakra where we can't communicate with heaven. And so um, being able to unblock it and then activate it um, is, is that. So we drink vinegar <laughs> to get rid of the calcium? Uh-huh, yeah. So is it, is it the apple cider vinegar thing that people do every day? Is that the, the purpose of that? Yeah, that's one of the, the ways to... Um, kind of decalcify just, and, and stuff yeah i just i hear things I, i've heard this before and we cut fluoride out and we cut aluminum out like I, i'm just floored at how deep the evil is gosh like gosh yeah <laughs> also my son just graduated in biomedical science and they did in uh experiment in their lab where uh because it said apple cider vinegar helps your Oh, oh shoot what is it the um sugars the spike in your sugars when you eat and so they did a test they drank apple cider vinegar and then ate like three donuts or something and then <laughs> tested their blood and he said it actually is true so you yeah. can't drink it throughout the day you just take a shot so it helps with your blood sugar it helps to even it out rather than spiking it and it helps to decalcify your pineal gland so there was something said about the kidney too 
Um, yeah, so earlier it talked about the gland of regeneration and where um, they thought, because they didn't know the, the full aspects of it, it didn't seem like, but um, that it's located, oh, let's see, this is on page 221. Um, in modern times, the gland of regeneration is the size of a small marble and it's located just below the kidney on the right side toward the back. So in ancient times, the gland of regeneration was the size of a tennis ball. A large, fully activated gland of regeneration was the primary, but not only, factor in the youthful, high-energy, regenerative, regenerative state that was maintained by the pre-Diluvian patriarchs. So, I mean, that's what it said about kidney, as far as I'm aware. I'm not sure if they mentioned, like, the kidney specifically, but uh, it talked about that gland of regeneration that's by the kidney. Oh, wait, never mind. I take it back. It does talk about the kidneys. <laughs> um about it in two different places doesn't it yeah i <laughs> i just read uh 223 through 237 so i uh, i'm uh, i realized that i'm tripping over myself from the other stuff but um yeah the kidneys are organs located there have a crucial role in filtering and regulating and balancing our blood as it circulates through this organ several times a day um, so you have to have properly functioning kidneys in order to uh, help activate that gland of regeneration. It says they're on that page. Uh, the other part, I don't know. I, I haven't reviewed it for today, but. I think one of them says where it's either behind the kidney, I think behind the kidney and the one says it's next to it. I mean, it's, it's near the kidney, but. There's one in that where he was reading, it said. It's a relatively unknown gland in front of the right side kidney that is even more crucial to our advancement than the kidney that surrounds it. There are those who refer to that little gland as the gland of regeneration. I asked the gal that foot zones me. I asked the, my trainer, my mm -hmm. person who trained me. She didn't know about it. She knows everything, I, pretty much everything that's <laughs> And um, I asked the gal, so it's a different because she lives in another state. And anyway, more or less, nobody knows what, at least in foot zoning world, what this is. And they. Interesting. Yeah. They were uh, to, they should know. So I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It's just not on the, on their radar yet. So I thought that was very interesting. So they said, well, we're going to find out. So yeah, <laughs> I, I want to get on that. Uh, Kathy Barton sent me the book that her foot zoner uses, and it talks about the seven glands, right? So you have the pineal, the pituitary, thyroid, thymus, adrenal, and sexual glands. Um, well, and pancreas, sorry, skipped pancreas in there. Um, so you have those seven different ones, but if we have a gland of regeneration, that would be um, an eighth one to, to add to that list. Yeah. Well, your adrenal gland, that's on top of the kidney. So it would make sense that it's in that area too, because the adrenal is the master gland. So yeah, fascinating. and it's interesting. I mean, I don't know why, but <laughs> um, as we're, we're going through these points here, uh, I serve in the, the temple now, memorize <laughs> initiatory. So it's fresh on my mind is why I bring it up. But it's like, interesting which ones we we bless and which ones we 
don't necessarily yet, but how everything's kind of like lumped in with vitals and bowels <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but anyway. Did I say something? I raised my hand, but I realized oh. we're a small group, so I didn't really need to do that. <laughs> so um, back in the day, um, I, I did not have a, um, I had the mom, kind of mom that I needed to learn and grow. But as far as moms go, she was, um, I would not wish my mom on and anybody else. <laughs> And, and so, um, especially Wait, when I we have the same mom. <laughs> <laughs> Long lost sisters, Alethea. So um, she didn't have the gospel, and I will, you know that that helps. You know, it helped me in my mind, but I still had this underlying resentment well into adulthood, and it's. About 18 years ago, I was got really serious about forgiving her. And um, because I'd most, I don't know if you can mostly forgive somebody any more than you can be mostly pregnant. I, I don't know. But um, I was waiting. So this gives you a time frame. I was waiting in line for to get into the theater to see Lord of the Rings. I don't know which, I think it was maybe the third one. I don't know. Anyway, I, um, an angel had said to me, would you, um, would you think of her the way that you do now? If you had, if you realized that, she, I'm not saying it right, but if you had realized that you, she was your dearest friend in heaven prior to coming here and that just really zinged me and so when I got home from you know how long those movies are so it was like 11 o'clock when we got home and I knelt down to say my prayer and that came back to me again and then I just the dam broke and I just started crying because of course I wouldn't and it turns out that she was such a gift for me to ascend and I didn't recognize it as such um, until years later when I started reading Abraham stuff. But um, anyway, as I was praying and I told Heavenly Father, I was so sorry. And it was all instantaneous. The crown chakra started, it opened up and stayed open for two and a half days. And just like liquid gold was just pouring into me and it's, um, Anyway, it was, uh, and then it closed down and then I had to learn how to reactivate that again. And I'll be darned if it wasn't having to do with repentance and, and just getting more in alignment with, with God and how he thinks and how he feels. And, um, so yeah, all those other things that he mentioned were great, but for me, that was, my life has never been the same since. And now, and so for the last, um, she's gone now, but for all of that time, it was, we had just the best relationship, even though she didn't change. Um, it only takes really one person to change, I think, to have a, a big shift occur. So 
anyway, so that was my my bit on on the, the eighth chakra and how to get that open. So Leslie, thank you so much for sharing that. That was so beautiful. Oh my gosh. Thank you. And so um with it's interesting with the the chakras we can find them all over scripture once you know what you're looking for and stuff but uh, ezekiel is kind of the um the template on chakras like if you read and understand ezekiel like you pay the price to understand isaiah kind of thing uh, read ezekiel and and you'll see uh, that it's it's basically a an instruction manual on your body and and how it works and how it needs to raise in frequency and uh, activating those chakras. Can I add one more thing? And this is just purely speculation on my part. Um, <clears throat> see, have, have you guys seen the, um, everybody has, I think the, the drawing, the illustration that Joseph Smith was talking about the, the planetary alignments before the flood and the three planets that are connected through energy they're stacked like pancakes on do you guys do i have to keep explaining does everybody yes? i don't really know what you're talking about yeah the polar the polar configuration the, yeah, um, name of it. someone else drew it out ghibli or um what was the name i, I know it. what you're talking about okay so what as we're talking about i hadn't thought about it before when we we're talking about that this this morning it was like oh my goodness i personally am in alignment with that same thing even though geographically in, in a different place because like it, it is it's coming through god all the way down and i thought oh, this and i for a long time well I've also had a feeling in my arms, it comes through my head and then down and then through both my arms. And it feels like I am, reminds me of Nephi, only in a good way. Like, you know, he would shock his, shocked his brothers, Laman and Lemuel. Um, but I'm to reach out with that power and bless and help other people. Um, so this, this polar alignment is relatively new information for me. And so it's, it's fun to, to see those two being connected together, so. So would you say that that's different than grounding or is, is that kind of, I mean, that that principle of connecting you through the earth, like that you're in that middle of that configuration there? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know exactly. How, I don't know tons about grounding, but um, I know that I'm in the mix somewhere as we're desiring to do his will and say nothing but repentance i think mm -hmm. that's the game exactly because like if you can't muscle to, like this is what i'm experiencing like i find myself hard to to muscle test like I, i'm not really great at it and stuff but until i focus get myself in alignment ground properly and and fully repent then it just ha happens like everything can can then click and get clear answers kind of a thing um I don't know. I've probably talked to you guys dowsing rods and stuff for kind of my area now where I'm trying to, to muscle test through those and, and stuff. But um, it, it's a very interesting principle of how we get so off uh, kilter, you know, like if, but if we're not in alignment, if we're not grounded in uh, all of that and, and fully repentant, uh, pure of heart, that, that things are just whack. <laughs> but, but once you can get all of your chakras in alignment and um, be uh, that pure stuff flowing, then, then it, 
it helps so much in, in every aspect. Can I share one more thing? <laughs> I'm sorry, I won't keep talking, but um, <clears throat> I have been um, experimenting with, with muscle testing because you've seen, <laughs> you've seen. <laughs> yeah, yours is a very <laughs> conspicuous one, right? <laughs> Becky is the ultimate on that, but um, <laughs> anyway, so what I've done is, you know how huge intent is that I intend to be in that flow. And so I just am seeking for knowledge. And then it's like a for a yes would be forward, but I'm, I'm getting into that flow, like, a, like, the, like a waterfall, you know, in there. And so it's, I don't actually have to do anything anymore other than to think it and see and see if I am getting into that. So if that makes sense, mm -hmm. much yeah. better, much more subtle. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so interesting, all of the different uh, kinds and, and ways we can can receive, well, talk with our spirit, receive guidance kind of a thing. and. Um, uh, Finally, understanding it is huge. Uh, another book I've been reading this last week that somebody recommended to me, I think it was in group A, but um, the, um, great, now I can't think of it. The spiritual, what is it, of light? The, doo -doo -doo -doo, the spiritual physics of light, sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, Spiritual Physics of Light by Aaron Franklin. Um, That's on Deseret Book, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, I've been listening to the audio book because the book is sold out. Like the first copies like went flying off the shelves. I can't find it on bookshelf, on Deseret Bookshelf. No? Yeah, I've, I've been listening to it this last week, so it's on there somewhere. I find it. Okay. But um, yeah, holy cow. I'm only like three chapters into it, but it explains everything. Like it's all of these principles and he's not coming at it from like any kind of energy uh, perspective, right? Energy work perspective, but... I mean, he is talking about all of these things in a very scientific thing way, like how we know the, the principles of, of light and, and all of this and how it applies in a spiritual foundation. Anyway, it, it, I highly recommend that book if you're wanting to uh, understand forward donations better. Okay, can I just ask you? Wait, I'll turn this off. Um, Okay, see, I put in the physics of spiritual light, and this is what I get up. Am I searching in the wrong place? Um, let me see what... I don't find Desert Bookshelf to be super... No, I hate Desert Bookshelf. <laughs> it's not intuitive at all. No. Um... You put in the author's name instead. Well, I'm wondering, see, look right there. It says my library. Am I searching my library? And that's why. It's oh, not yeah. So you want to search all of Desert Book. But see, I have all right. Oops. Now, what did I do? No. Oh, no. Search my library is is not highlighted. Search. OK, all well, it's there now. That top answer is the one you're wanting. It hasn't been there. Yeah, I don't know. It just showed up. <laughs> we summoned it. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I asked. Because I've been frustrated. I searched it three and four different times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that book. But yeah, like I said, I'm only two chapters in. I'm like, my mind is blown. I, <laughs> I need the physical copy of the book so I can like mark and highlight and study and everything. 
But um, what question? Look, I have a choice of learn more and free sample. How do I listen to it? Okay, so you're you've clicked onto the actual copy, like the ebook, and so you want to go back and find the one that has like the little headphone symbol on it. it must be the one underneath it. Yeah, and then you'll be able to with plus. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the light and vibration and ham radio even plays into it has a section on on that in there. But um, I, I'm finding that the Lord's leading me in all of these different directions um, to learn this this one principle of of light. And so it was an interesting process this last week of the realization that he needed me to get into ham radio right now, not necessarily for communication of like ham radios kind of thing like yes to buy the equipment and get ready for it and stuff but more to learn the principles behind it to apply to the other things that i'm learning anyway so it was uh I, it's been such a, a fun week <laughs> i tell you um it's it's when you're in alignment uh when you're grounded whatever you want to call it all those different things the lord can then do the fire hose and and just kind of teach it new things and stuff and that comes with that that eighth chakra being activated and and open ready to to receive and so i think um going back to all of president nelson's talks and stuff where you know hear him and and the verbiage that he's using i, I mean it's for a general audience but like if you once you know what you're looking for it's been there all along he's he's telling us how to connect with heaven and the activation of the eighth chakra also gets cleared with scripture. Like when you study restoration scripture, it helps with that eighth chakra. And so um, anyway, there, there's a, there's a lot there. Go back and, and study president Nelson uh, with, with eighth chakra in mind. You'll, you'll see lots of interesting connections. Can we go through all of these things? <laughs> yep. Um, spiritual, spiritual warriors will learn the art of invisibility, the use of portals, and obtain mastery over time and space. <laughs> Isn't that fun section, right? I mean, it has like so many bullet points there, which half of them I get, half of them are like, what did you just say? Like, you're not going to expound on that at all? <laughs> But yeah, um, uh, part of that uh, was those uh, colonies of translated beings in, in Utah. Um, my book go? Hey, how about this one? In the third bullet point on the bottom of 227, providing physical, careful, and energetic support to the Davidic servant. I get that. Mm -hmm. And the matriarch of the Church of the Firstborn. And yeah. they now commence their vital leadership roles as they lead out out onto the front lines of the most amazing battles ever to be fought in the history of this world. Okay, I've never heard of the matriarch. Of Wait a second, can you say that again? Start at the beginning of that. Um, at the bot, uh, at the on those bullet points, we have all those bullet points of um, qualities, I guess you would say, or gifts that the spiritual warriors will have. And the third one says providing physical, prayerful, and energetic support to the Davidic servant. And, the, and it's capitalized, the matriarch of the church of the firstborn, as they now commence their vital leadership roles, as they lead out, 
out onto the front lines of the most amazing battles ever to be fought in the history of this world. Yeah. It's so cool. Aren't, aren't you glad we have all these scriptures and all these examples of all these people that have had the faith to do these things so that we can, oh my head. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting that that just came up in our book club for Isaiah Dakota this morning too. <laughs> like the, the Davidic servant and that end time battle kind of a thing. And uh, that, that point there that you just brought out. But yeah, like we, we never consider the Davidic servant's like wife, the matriarch of the church of the firstborn kind of thing, uh, how that, that plays in. Um, it's interesting though that just what, well, I guess since President Nelson, that we've started seeing the wives of the prophet and apostles very much in the forefront as much as their husbands. Mm -hmm. Not much, but just right there. Yeah. And so this is interesting because I've never thought of or heard of the matriarch of the Church of the Firstborn. Yeah. We always talk about the Davidic servant. Yeah. So we kind of have that example in the temple, right? The matron. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, let's see. I had something else on that, but it, it flew away. So I guess <laughs> we'll maybe we'll fly back. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's so many. So, um, let's see. The, Laura. the Akashic <laughs> records of God. What is that? Yeah. So if you like Google it, you can find some, uh, kind of random sources on acastic records but acastic records basically means the history of all everything right and and that it's kind of like I, i'm describing this really poorly but it's kind of like this weird history book of everything all of the people places emotions intentions missed opportunities everything that's just kind of floating in the ether and that you can kind of tap into it kind of a thing when you open up your eighth chakra that uh you can access those things and it's kind of like that photographic memory kind of thing like oh and then it, you can can retrieve it and um see things as they they really are as they really happened or as they will happen because it doesn't deal with with time and space that um you can access those okay yeah and that must be a typo because it says akashic instead of a castic or oh I, I would probably just saying it wrong but yeah akashic oh because we know we have lots of typos yeah there, there are quite a few typos in here to google that mastering of the welding of the 12 swords of god i mean there's so many in here that's like wait what mm -hmm. yeah like what does that mean i don't even know <laughs> but we do know like telepathy right the uh, we have many different scriptures. We have many different uh, near-death experiences where they speak spirit to spirit. They don't necessarily need the, the vocal communication, right? And so um, how that is a powerful um, mode of communication in the Franklin book, The Spiritual Physics of Light, uh, he kind of talks about it in, in a different way of how all communication is light. And so... Um, it has a more pure form where it has all of the, the nuances, uh, all of the intentions and everything behind the, the light is encoded within the wavelengths of it and, and stuff. So that, that's an interesting one. He doesn't necessarily come out and say telepathy or anything, but like um, that, that principle is brought out there, I think in chapter two. 
Um, I have a question. Um, it talks about um, imagining the light coming in to your eighth chakra. Yeah. I had a, an energy worker tell me to imagine, like when I meditate, to imagine light coming out. I've never heard light coming and, out. Before. <laughs> and I feel like maybe he was lying to me. <laughs> what do you guys think? <laughs> you, you're supposed to imagine light coming in. That's how I've always done it, but that's how I was like told too. So I, yeah. let's see, light coming out and stuff like, because the, the process of grounding is like connecting with the light source and how it moves through you and to the actual ground so that you're, that you're in that flow of, of energy. But um, I can, I can see it going reverse too, like where the light is coming from from the earth and reflecting back to the sun i mean there's there's probably good stuff there as well i i just have never considered that okay i'm wondering if that goes along with what i was going to ask about and that is at the bottom of 228 built of protection and great power around groups and individuals these are fortresses of light that encompass about in every direction to call down a column or a globe of light to come down from heaven to encircle individuals and groups as is necessary. This is a portion of the keys and powers of the ordained. I think that's supposed to be holiest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it, I, I find that interesting with the first vision, right? I saw a pillar of light directly above my head. We have it in uh, the Exodus account, uh, the, the pillar of uh, light by, by night kind of thing. But... Um, that they're, they're fields of protection. Um, I forget, is it scriptural or is this? No, I think that's visions of glory where when they actually are able to touch the, the pillar of light that they can get healed through it. Like it actually has protective healing properties and stuff, but. Um, I'm wondering if that's what you're talking about, Shannon. Uh-huh, yeah, that, that light. Yeah. It's like radiating the light of christ mm -hmm. out outward mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and then here it's able to use but what is this a portion of the keys and powers of the ordained holiest i don't know that that's an interesting one because i have heard uh lots of different people uh talk about that the pillar of light in the first vision was heavenly mother that that was uh, the divine presence um, as she is providing the space, the, because I mean, cause that's like the women's role, right? The, the home, the space for spiritual learning and stuff. And so the, the pillar uh, often pillars are, are referred to as, as women uh, pillars, watchtowers, uh, that kind of language. Prayed in trees. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so where it says that this is a portion of the keys and powers of the ordained holiest uh, I, I would almost assume that he's maybe referring to, to Heavenly Mother, the like Divine Feminine, or, or something along that line. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, and when it says portion of the keys, it's like, what keys? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he needs like a lot of footnotes in, these, in this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're missing footnotes. I mean, this book's huge, but we need footnotes. <laughs> the receiving of the ordinance of the placement of the red robe of righteousness mm -hmm. 
Yeah. We're, oh, that's on the top of 229, right? That first bullet point. Right. And we know that Christ will come in a red robe, right? So what is this red robe of righteousness in capital letters? Um, that's somewhere else in the book. He, he goes uh, more in depth on that. Uh, I forget what chapter it is. I'll try to find that. But um, that ordinance where where we actually watch the atonement, right? And we watch him sweat great drops of blood kind of a thing, like being a witness of that event. And then comes the actual ordinance where that robe is then placed upon us uh, to, to cover our sins kind of thing or, or something along that line. Um, anyway, there's, there's a section in the book that, that talks about that, that ordinance. Let me see if I jog my memory. It may be in chapter nine, the Holy Spirit of Promise. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, I'll try to find it. And, and then the next one that's underlined on that page, it's the first one underlined, makes me think of President Nelson officiating in the global gathering of the Lord's gatherers. Is that what he's doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in part facilitating both the awakening and the training of those who pertain to the church of the firstborn and various ordinations, callings, and offices therein? Is he trying to awaken? And then those who are being called up to the church of the firstborn are the ones that are going to respond? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think very much so. And looking like this next week, as we go into our book clubs, so we're studying the youth talks, you know, hope of Israel, youth of the noble birthright and stuff like, yeah. Yeah, he's doing that. <laughs> I mean, he's trying to get everybody in this generation, but but especially those youth, because those youth will um, uh, be at the front lines of the, that exact part. Yeah, he's and the powerful call for missionaries in the last conference. Oh my heck! Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we need this. This needs to happen. You need to go on your Zion's camp journey so that you can rise up when when the time's ready uh, to go on on this mission. How about this one, neutralizing the forces and strategies of the many families of the dark nobilities? Don't you want that one? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> forces and strategies? Like how, like I don't even know what that looks like, but how cool would that be? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wish Stacy was here. She could talk about uh, some of that that uh, her and I have been experiencing. Um, so like there's there's casting out and then there's like casting out right there's different levels um and uh a lot of it comes from the the testament of solomon uh so like david's solomon solomon's temple um where he had that wisdom um to be able to to cast out on on many different levels and uh work um uh, his way through through things you know like in in new testament when christ tells the apostles that, that some spirits go not out, but by fasting and much prayer, right? That there's different levels of um, spiritual darkness, right? Uh, we have lots of different things, but um, if anyone's been noticing, I don't know if it's just uh, me and Stacy were prone to it, I guess, but um, that we're noticing an, an in increase in intensity of, of spiritual attacks in, in like, I mean, you can't just cast them out in uh, regular ways. And so um, learning how that works and uh, what we, we do, um, 
Stacy had the, the first insight that was really interesting of um, like looking at our, our temple, when is it that we learn to cast out Aaronic versus Melchizedek and that there might be different levels within the endowment. And we both uh, started looking at that and going, oh, oh, there's, there's a lot more to it, but it, it, it's more nuanced as you go through, like go through an endowment um, and uh, pick that apart with just that in mind, casting out on, on different levels uh, and how that, that works. I think that there's um, a lot of instruction and it's, it's probably uh, very specific to you and, and your journey, um, how that works and, and what you need to do. But um, the apocryphal work is, is the testament of, of Solomon where the rings and the names and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I, I haven't found that I agree with like all of that apocryphal account, but uh, there, there's quite a bit that I found is, is very true. Is that in the book that has Enoch and it has multiple ones in there? Or did you buy it separate? It, oh, as far as like an actual physical copy, I don't know. She just sent me a, a PDF that she had found of, of that one. I haven't bought the physical copy. I need to. I got uh, the one that Mandy Green suggested. Okay. Several in there. And I, I don't know. I haven't, obviously. Mm -hmm. so. But yeah, that would be a good one. On Wednesday, I wanted to tell you, and I was so bummed, I forgot. Did you know Andy Green has a podcast? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I did anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to answer for everyone. But yeah, yeah, her podcast is great. Okay. I'm and kidding. if anybody wants like um, to, to take her classes or whatever, I've got uh, that subscription to, to her things. I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to plagiarize or anything like that. But if anybody wants to, to watch a couple episodes or whatever I can get you hooked up it was super helpful to me it was the ant the missing piece to a dream that I had that was uh it's it was pretty significant well I had an experience a few months ago just I just imagining myself like front line front and center like as if we were at war. And then I was, as I was reading this again today, how it was talking about like the V formations, I that mm. just really stood out to me. It was really cool. Yes. Pages that. Starts on 224. Yeah, so the Vanguard groups and the 144,000 and at the very top of 225, well, yeah. Um, bottom of 224 top of 225 where it talks about the the v formation so um this is what stood out to me in, in that one in the marines and army ground troops are sent out in v formations with their courageous leader taking the position at the tip of the v the spear with the men he is commanding a distance behind him on either side of the the point man which is interesting if you take that and apply it back to president nelson's basketball analogy in his last talk um uh so that um, that spear, the tip of the V is the one that initiates the spiritual momentum, but he can't do it alone. Like, I mean, it requires everyone else to, to maintain that spiritual momentum as, as we go through, like, <laughs> I find it so interesting that president Nelson, his very first conference talk as prophet is in the priesthood session. And he gives like the call to arms, right? Like deacons arise, teachers arise. Like he's, he's doing the call to arms 
And then like in this last talk, you know, we've, we've studied all of his things, but in this last talk, he's giving us more battle plans. Like you have to have the spear, you have to have the V formation and all that kind of stuff. Like uh, he's been doing it all along. If we'll, we'll take a look at it, but uh, he's still giving us, uh, helping us prep ahead of time. Uh, those, those things that we're going to need as we, we go forward. Sorry, I didn't mean to like take up what you were saying there, but you've been having like that, that experience and, and that vision, right? I just, I just envisioned myself like front and center of war line, just like, okay, I'm ready. Let's go. Huh? I love <laughs> so, and then reading this again today, it just really was like, oh, wow, that's cool. Mm -hmm. So do you do that when you're like meditating or is it like coming to you in dreams and stuff or how are you experiencing it? It was just a random thought. I think it's usually more when I'm not asleep, not awake. Uh huh. So, yeah, we get a lot of, of stuff right then in that twilight hour, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, I think Kevin talked about that too. In the early morning hours is when you get the revelation, and that's usually when you're kind of in that waking up but not awake yet. Yeah, I, I've been doing that a lot lately because I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, I'm trying to be translated or something. I, I have very little uh, time for to sleep. Like I, I go to bed at like one or two in the morning, and I have to wake up at five o'clock, and so I'm like running on on fumes. But I try to set my alarm because my body's just like not going to naturally wake up at a, at a certain time, kind of thing. Um, but to get up and, and ready for work, I set my alarm like uh, one one and a half hours ahead of time so that it brings me out of like the the deep sleep and then I can have that twilight time to kind of ponder and meditate and go in and out of <laughs> of the sleep I'm going to tell you another experience it's kind of related but um, I do travel nursing um, hospice and I was at my patient's house three weeks ago and it was probably five o'clock in the morning. So I wasn't asleep, wasn't awake, just, um, we're in the middle of nowhere. Like they live on 40 acres and um, I can hear his wife snoring next, next door. So I know it's not her. And um, there's an alarm system on the house <clears throat> and I could hear two women speaking in the other room but it didn't scare me. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, he died five days later. And I just wonder if I heard angels mm -hmm. helping him. I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, I would say definitely. It's interesting how unmuted. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've experienced that as well. And I, I, I'm sure it's from the other side. Yeah, because I've heard angels, but it's more like thoughts in my head. This was like, I could hear them. Yeah, mm -hmm. full-on conversations. like Full-on conversations, but I wasn't scared. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so like Visions of Glory, the Lance Richardson book, like uh, lots of different experiences there where... Um, how active the other side is in, in, I don't know, I, I want to say ordinance. Yeah, in the ordinance of death, right? When you're passing through the veil and stuff, like those angels are, 
they all have missions. They all have different things. You know, they have to prep. They have to experience things. So this is just a, a funny one from. Uh, so my mom, Darlene's mother, uh, just passed away. Um, and how long would you say that she was like out of it, like kind of comatose? Um. Oh gosh, clear comatose. No, but like you know when. I mean, she's. I, uh, nearly a week where she was uh -huh. just like that but when she was you know clear out of it it was just like three or four days mm -hmm. but anyway during that time that you know everybody that's taken watch of her and stuff that there's sometimes that she's talking in her sleep or or wasn't she singing at certain points and, and different things but um I don't know was it sherry or judy or somebody that said at the very last she was just full-on screaming like i mean it it was it was crazy so she what was it congestive heart failure that actually took her at the the very end right and so um just kind of taking a, a step back and looking at the experience of um of her spiritual preparation where um you know she she's there her body's there but like all of these near-death experiences where uh, toward the end of life some people get to go to the spirit world learn and grow and converse with others etc but then they have to come back to their body in order to actually die you know and like she comes back to her body and it's like <laughs> i mean that that can't be awesome right i mean this is like the worst kind of pain like congestive heart failure like you've been in the spirit world and you don't have any of that and you have to come back to your body to oh. to like actually uh uh perform that that ordinance and, and get pulled through the valley and stuff and so like like full-on screaming of like oh my gosh i'm so ready to be done <laughs> kind of a thing i i found that very interesting it kind of shook who i can't remember whoever it was that was sitting there was like what's going on <laughs> why is she screaming you yeah, know it, it was sherry it's supposed to be like a good experience right and not like is she <laughs> racked with torment or whatever kind of thing but anyway it was it was an interesting process because i mean like i re read these near-death experiences and stuff but to actually like okay here's my grandma like what she's going through um and not that i'm i'm trying to like push uh asking certain questions or whatever but um just muscle testing my way through that experience i was uh muscle testing okay what level of the ladder was was she on before she went into the that comatose state kind of a thing and what level is she on now uh, during the process and then after at the funeral I asked what level she was on then and I mean it's interesting how sometimes that that intervent not intervention the teaching of angels the ministering of angels during those those death moments or whatever are actually to provide them descents in order to ascend um, at, right at the very end so that they can Kind of hit the ground running in their new assignments on on the other side or something that's my own personal opinion you know don't quote me but um it, it was it was an interesting experience to say the least yeah uh leslie is that a hand raise or was that from earlier sorry <laughs> i forgot to look so shannon as you were sharing that i um i had the distinct impression that um that this is a message for you um Oh. that these angelic voices, angel voices could not um, be kept 
um, how was it? It said in the scriptures, like um, uh, they kept the, the they couldn't be kept within the veil, and you were allowed to hear them, and that's for a reason and for a sign for you. That's cool. I couldn't understand what they were saying or remember. So the fact that you, you didn't have fear. What's that? The fact that you didn't fear. Like yeah. that's what stands out and stuff is, is an interesting tidbit of like, huh. Mm -hmm. That um, I would almost ask like if you need to, to know more information on it or, or whatever, yeah. you can test that. But, um, you know, maybe you're, you're connected in, in some other way to, to the deceased or, or to that, um, to those angels that are helping, you know, maybe it was some of your, your family or, or something, or I don't know, there, there's lots of different questions you could ask, but. Yeah. I feel like the veil is thinner for me with angels for some yeah. reason. I don't uh -huh. know. And especially in, in your line of work, right? I mean, uh, yeah. you get to uh, be around that a lot and experience it. And, and, you know, that might be a, a huge part of your end time mission as you, uh, dive into to the spiritual gifts and and things like that you know the spiritual preparation uh as well as the the physical preparation into it fun i've been looking this up and i finally found it kind of um i remembered he, he was from idaho uh, the bishop in 1920 at the request of the prophet, whoever that was at the time, I don't remember, um, was asked to share his, I guess, near-death experience. But he talked about that. He saw these women preparing clothing and he said, what are you doing? And they said, oh, brother, so-and-so is going to be coming. And so they were preparing clothing. And then when he came back, he did, he died within a week. And then they also said, people don't realize how often their prayers like keep people alive. And sometimes people die because there is nobody praying for them to, to yeah. stay there. And also that sometimes they're, they're like ordained to come back, you know, to leave this earth life. But because of the prayers, they're granted extra time. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna, I was booklet. Uh, it's in actually, it's called a heavenly manifestation to Heber Q. Hale. And he was the Boise stake president. That's how long ago it was, <laughs> <The whole> Boise <laughs> stake. <laughs> which probably was more than Boise, but it was 1920. And yeah. I thought it was interesting that he was asked to speak by the prophet to share that, Like we don't get that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, it just has a picture of the front cover and it's in the special collections i think at byu idaho but i'm going to try to find it have mm -hmm. you guys have any of you heard of it i haven't heard of that one no oh about it for a while. one of the ones that was interesting that came to mind when you were starting to talk i was like oh she's telling this story and then it, it, it morphed into a different one um but that one guy um also idaho i think that um witnessed the little girl uh being resurrected right in front of his eyes mm -hmm. or it's whatever that's st george st george okay um uh, anyway i thought that's the one that you're gonna talk about or whatever but that was an interesting one that again the prophet asked him to to go to state conferences and uh, talk about 
Okay, I found it. It's in a site called, I'll put it, the link over here in the chat. Uh, let's see. Oh, I don't have to much. Okay. Um, yeah, I've known about this one for, I don't know, five or six years at least. But it's really, really cool. Um, it was... He did it in the Bishop's building in Salt Lake City at the request of by the presidency of the church of 1920 is what it says. So it was like, it wasn't just, he was asked to come speak to the bishops, I guess. Mm -hmm. Oh no, it was a genealogical conference held in the auditorium of the bishop's building. That's where it was. We don't get that at Roots Tech anymore, do we? <laughs> <laughs> And it's, but it's interesting that what we do, like President Nelson's story of, of his grandfather, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, or, or whatever. That's an interesting one that we sometimes just kind of gloss over. And I'm like, um, it's really powerful about the other side. I love, he says, to the righteous person, birth into the world of spirits is a glorious privilege and blessing. And I love how he calls it birth into the world of spirits. Like it's birth into the earth. We call it death. Yeah. I've always wondered, they call it death when the person leaves, you know? So anyways, it's a really cool, it's really cool. Yeah, I love that. So, um, I think it's President Smith because he references President Smith. I don't know. I just see his name in there. So anyways, you'll have to read it, but it's a really good article, a really mm -hmm. good talk that he gave. Because yeah, isn't it that. Smith that goes through the 1918 pandemic, right? With the whole... Mm -hmm thing yeah so it'd be right around that smith time yeah i have a question mm -hmm. might be a dumb question you guys probably already know the answer but um so when people are translated do they still are they still living here on earth like just going about life as normal or is it as if do people feel like they died and they lost the person and then they're translated. Does that make sense? Two kinds of translation, aren't there? What's that? Yeah. There's two kinds of translation. Yeah, I, I think that there. We often kind of lump it all into to one, but uh, separated it out because there's sometimes that it's a, a martyr's death, right? But yet there's an actual translation that that happens because of it. Um, there, there's sometimes that it's just. Uh, you live here and uh, keep going about your your normal activities go on missions but when you come back from your mission then you know only five seconds has passed you know kind of a thing um i i don't have uh, necessarily answers or, or uh, sources on that that second type other than um i don't know just from what some people have ex described with near-death experiences but um as far as the, the death one, we, we do have quite a few references to martyrs who were translated. Um, so that sometimes we think that, oh, well, they died, they can't be translated anymore. But uh, there, there's some process there. You know, most of the, the biblical or Book of Mormon people said that they died, like Moses died. But um, they, they die a martyr's death and uh, are able to seal their witness with their blood and uh, be translated from, from there on. Um, 
But then you have the one in the millennium where they talk about being changed in the twinkling of an eye. Uh-huh. Yeah. So in was that Visions of Glory that you were just reading that mother? Right. Um they like go there's... through that process, but they don't ever really Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's like the difference between translation and the millennial format and uh, visions of glory kind of describes that uh, there at the end, mm -hmm. uh, the difference between the two but then they kind of like merge into one at the end. Yeah, he said by the. As it goes on at, to start with there's quite a difference between you can distinguish between them and a translator uh, and somebody in the millennial format. Uh-huh. But as it goes on, it just kind of seems like it's all the same. <laughs> yeah, because because Spencer was in the process of translating. And I think that's one kind of translation, right? Mm -hmm. Where you have kind of these gifts here and you don't have, you're not affected by um, disease and illness and even death. Um you're more in tune with the spirit i think that's kind of like what the city of enoch is like right mm -hmm. and then there's the other one where you don't you reach your time of mortality and you don't die like we do now you're just translated mm -hmm. yeah but you're saying they kind of morph into one eventually so yeah i don't know how that all works out but what i think that I've come to understand anyway is the that there's lots of different ways to to be a translated individual. There's lots of different processes and there's lots of different missions um, going through like early patriarchal blessings of the church. Um, you know, some of them say that they're going to be translated beings ministering to other planets. Some of them say that they can translate themselves to the moon if if so desired. Some of them are translated so that they can perform missions here on this earth to to gather the elect at the end times. There. I don't know. It seems like there's lots of different ways to get translated and uh, missions of translated beings. There's different classes, it, forms, or whatever you want to call it. And it sounds like kind of like um, you get a choice in it. Yeah. Uh, what you would rather, you know, be doing. The translation that we're, at least what I'm working for, is to help in the end times they're gathering in the the elect from you know going out on missions and bring them in that's what i would like to be and i feel like that's my my mission that i'm supposed to be doing but um and then in i was listening to the visions of glory again and i will not Again, this is the first time I've been through this part of it. And it said there at the end, and then when you're done, I mean, when you want to be done, you can just ask the Lord that, you know, I'd rather move on now that I've got this completed. I'd like to move on. Uh, so it's like one of the, it's like one of the uh, rungs on the ladder, right? Uh-huh. And um, so like, like agency plays a big part in it. I mean, if if you decide that, you know, that you'd rather not now, then you're not held to that, you know? But I, I don't know. I'm still learning. 
So correct me, I kind of have been under the impression that translation is a terrestrial state. And in order to be here during the millennium, which is kind of interesting, you need to be translated. And yet you go through that translation at death during the millennium. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we need to be on the Zion Jerusalem level of the ladder, but I don't know that, um, that everyone that makes it into the millennium are necessarily translated, but they because are in working towards it. Yeah. They're working towards it and they're, they're in the millennial format, but it's not necessarily translated yet um but that you're you're Spencer still wasn't yeah okay and, a lot, and only he and that woman were nobody else was it took a while mm -hmm. i think the woman it, i can never remember her name the woman's husband was kind was of was it rachel yeah i think it was eventually her husband started working towards it mm-hmm and started noticing. Yeah, it seems to be a, a process somewhat, you know, choose. like. Yeah. And that's what those tribulations and the tricks and all of that provide for uh -huh. people, right? They go through their descent in order to actually ascend. Um, and, and that plays out in lots of different ways. Sometimes it's a near-death experience. Sometimes there's a lot of pain involved. Sometimes there's this or that. Sometimes we're called to go on a Zion's camp type of thing. Um, but regardless, they're all custom tailored, decent phases in order for us to, to prove our loyalty to God and to um, uh, assume higher responsibilities and laws and, and things. And where did I, I think this was in Isaiah Dakota, I can't remember, but like somewhere I've read, it says that to be in Zion, you have to be translated. See, that's what the I was thinking. In the, the actual act city of Zion. But yeah. I mean, there's lots of people outside that are still yeah. into the millennium, but the actual mm -hmm. city is translated, yes. Yeah, yeah. And by the time that Spencer got there to the actual city, he, he was in the full translated state and was able to actually uh, perform those missions and, and the operations within the temple, etc. Mm -hmm. Um. <laughs> okay, so can we just talk about what's the difference? I mean, there's an apostolic order as well as a patriarchal order. Does mm -hmm. it, I mean, like we're taught, there's only 12 apostles. Is that different, the apostolic order different than apostles? It's on the bottom of 231, underlined. Well, you know, Spencer referred to that in the last part of that book. I wondered what he was talking about. Well, like, I don't know. So going through Barbara Morgan Gardner's book, right, on um, uh, patriarchal order versus the... Um, Melchizedek, what does she call it? Hierarchical. Hierarchical, yeah. So there's the, the patriarchal and hierarchical. And I think hierarchical is another name for the apostolic order. So it's the order that we have currently um, in, in full effect in the church right now. But yet the patriarchal order is, is the other eternal aspect, fathers, mothers, families, 
type of thing that we also need to do. So um, mm -hmm. that there's these these two different orders that need to like coexist and, and play well with each other <laughs> on the playground. It looks like because it says advancing through both the apostolic order as well as the patriarchal. So it sounds like that, that's true. That advancement of the priesthood of both. So they're not they're not side by side necessarily coexisting. Yeah, I don't know if it if it's that, then I don't have any reference point or, or anything. I, I don't know. I don't either. That's, That's why I'm like, he needs so many footnotes in here. <laughs> he needs to take a lesson from President Nelson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> out of footnote. Yeah, because I mean, I'm familiar with the apostolic order, but you only have 12 at any one time. Well, if every man has to pass through that, that's going to take a long time. <laughs> but is the apostolic order, does it expand? Because then you're thinking, wait a minute, we had the 12 apostles working in the old world, and then Christ came here and set up, but he didn't call them apostles, but it was 12 disciples, but they were supposedly in the apostolic order. We know he went other places, so is that... I mean, is it possible to have, I don't know, your mind. Yeah, I, a great question. I don't know. Yeah. I have never considered that before. I had neither. Oh my gosh, we haven't even looked at all these yet. There's still so many. <laughs> There's so many bullet points that are like crazy. I know. Okay. Have we talked about this? 675 G sharp. In the key of C is the frequency for the activation gland of re a regeneration. We've talked about that 432 megahertz before, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and it assists in the translation process. Somehow I found, I don't know how I found it. Maybe YouTube suggested it, but it was the, um, the earth emits a vibration. And I think it talked about how it's changing. Yeah. But anyways this youtube channel plays like the tone of the earth and it's just this low you know but it really is kind of relaxing just to have it in the background and mm -hmm. it's the vibration and anyways maybe that's kind of what this is i don't know yeah i found a lot of different things in in my journey of like meditation and, and stuff like that too where it's like uh i often listen to like uh monks and, and their chants or um you know, like that, that earth, uh, tone or the singing bowls. I've, I've got some singing bowls and, stuff singing and um, using Definitely. those to, to relax and meditate and, and heal and, and stuff. But, um, I, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot to, um, to all of that, you know, frequency, vibration, everything is, is that. So, uh, in <laughs> always tying back to that book, the spiritual physics of light, he talks about how all, communication is light all everything that vibrates is is a form of light whether it's perceptible by our human eyes or not is, is a different question but um that um everything that that has that is is light and so when we have light we can receive more light um, and as we surround ourselves by good positive frequencies that we can raise our own through that process and um anyway yeah like like the earth and and all of that it, it kind of 
was that from Isaiah decoded <laughs> that we were just talking about? I kind of run those two together, sorry. But um, that the earth is directly connected to its inhabitants. Yeah, when its inhabitants are wicked and, and vibrating at low frequencies, it can affect the earth. But if we become one with the earth and um, can, can assume its frequency, that we can also rise uh, as well. Um, and I think that that's a, a huge part of like the grounding process. You're trying to connect with heavenly light and, and your uh, vibrations here on earth and, and bring them more into alignment, uh, lift, um, lift those that, I don't know, I'm just babbling, but. Well, and then that connects to that last one on 232 with the two things we're talking about. There are a total of seven yeah. distinct ways to measure one state in the translation, uh, terrestrialization progression. Typically, yeah. but not always, our status is measured on a frequency scale of one through 100. And here's the list of measurable aspects of translation are as follows. So it looks like just like you have, well, you have seven chakras and then the eighth one, but here there's seven and you have, so maybe this is the process of translation. Right? Uh, yeah. So like going back to page emotional, Yeah. Into generational, energetic, and, and then environmental. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on page 215, it, it goes through those seven and okay. says that you can muscle test yourself um, from 1% to 100%, where am I on each of those seven things and, and learning where your personal frequency is. Are you at a 60% spiritually and are you at a 20% physical kind of thing? Like where are you at and measure your progress from, from time to time? Oh, yeah, we did that. Yeah. Have you kept doing it, Mother? Probably not. <laughs> but that was before I knew how to muscle test or anything. Yeah. But uh, our friend Jamie helped us. And, and she did our uh, recent one. I mean, the... the and tested us and then waited a while and tested us again kind of thing and see where the progress she, she went back a year to see oh she tested what we were a year prior to that and we had improved greatly it was really interesting mm -hmm. um can i chime in here yes. um so she um she tested me too oh my god <laughs> My heart was zero. Dear. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did some um, uh, it clearing out for a better, for lack of a better word, and it shot way, way up. So just because, and it, it tested zero for a year ago, also. So I, I, I don't know because that didn't seem feel right to me. Like that was correct. I just there was one aspect of my life where it was absolutely yeah. zero. It wasn't the total of my soul. So, yeah. so yeah, it's interesting. That's what I was just going to say, like, be careful when you are testing just those seven categories, because like one tiny event might affect the whole thing because it's like pointing you go fix that one thing and then come back and then you'll figure out that what the conglomerate is. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like seriously, guys, like take a step back and like, okay, 
<laughs> where was I at a year and a half ago? All of this was, I had never even heard of it, first of all. But when I first heard of stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. But now I'm like, okay, all of this now stuff. everybody's looking sense. at you going, he's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's so weird. But it's like, like the learning that, that the Lord puts when you finally start repenting, clearing, uh, doing all of that stuff, right? And then the Lord just fire hoses it. And it's like, okay, now look at this. Now look at this. And he, what is the, the quote? With anyone with eyes to see and ears to hear, the, the Lord is giving away the secrets of the universe. Like he, <laughs> he wants us to do things. And um, uh, the phrase enduring to the end is such a, you know, cliche, weird escape clause that we often use it as. But um, yet enduring to the end means now, now go and get all of the spiritual gifts that you can, <laughs> because there's so many to be had. It's very fun kind of going through this whole process and uh, learning things, but you know, it, it requires discernment all along the way, because there's lots of Satan's counterfeits that you have to stumble upon and, and get experience with and, and move on uh, till you find the, the right things, but that the Lord's in charge of our curriculum. That, that he'll lead us and guide us all along the way, uh, as long as we, we keep firmly rooted in, in scriptures and, and things, you know, like, I, I think, yeah, I was Leslie that I was talking to on that, on that one, right, where um, I said, now, what, every time you learn something, go back and, and find it in scripture, because you'll find it there the whole time, so like muscle testing, um, it's there in first Nephi, and, and it's like, oh my gosh, um, but then you go through and, and find it, it's, it, it's talked about everywhere, uh, but you just didn't know until you have certain keys to unlock those phrases to you. But isn't that true with everything? You don't know until you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then you know. what else don't I know? Yeah, what else do I know? <laughs> Which I'm finding is a lot. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I learn the more I know, I don't know. Yeah, and this is like a weird phrase to say but like um uh some of my favorite books that really opened my eyes were Faulkner's books called uh the book of mormon made harder the doctrine and covenants made harder kind of his series there and everybody always looked at me like gosh why would you want to make things harder <laughs> and it's like okay take a, a look at, at what we're doing here. So you have all of these books that are this for dummies or this made easier kind of thing, and they just give you answers. But Faulkner's books have no commentary whatsoever. They take you through verse by verse and point out questions that you can start asking. What about that? What does that even mean? Like, how do you process that? How would you apply that to your life kind of a thing? The whole book is just a book of questions. And then, you know, in this process that we're talking about here, it's all about questions. And that's why we have prayer. Like, it, it's all about a question and answer period with the Lord. All, like, look at the Doctrine and Covenants. Look at all of Scripture. It was all received through prayer because we asked questions. Once you have the right questions, you can then ask, seek, and knock, and receive answers. And so it's, it's this weird... Uh, to the world anyway world weird um study period where uh as soon as you know the right question then you can finally get an answer um but uh, until you start asking questions you're just going to be blind you're just going to be relying on other people to to feed you information and make things easier 
but it really easier is <laughs> is not the way to go it you know it needs to be hard it needs to you need to grow in your questioning abilities but yeah I, I you know that's one thing i'm grateful about this forward nations book is like it just raises so many questions like um you know why <laughs> i wonder if that's one of his purposes for not putting like footnotes and referencing things like on those those 12 swords the mastery and wielding of the 12 swords of god okay well there's the question <laughs> now now what do i do with that <laughs> kind of thing but yeah oh yeah sorry laura <laughs> I totally forgot to come back to that question. Um, so she wanted to talk about the, the translated colonies in, in Utah. Um, uh, I forget exactly which bullet point and stuff that is, but um, in this chapter, he references the Ruth White book. That one's a, a really interesting read. Um, let me find it. <laughs> and of course you have it. <laughs> Um, so it's called Terrestrial Colonies, Cities of Light by Ruth White. And um, so it's not like near-death experience, but it's kind of like that, where she has these experiences and goes to, to different places there in Utah, like San Pete County and Moab and stuff. And um, her, I think it's her and her husband are able to... Um, go through and interview the uh, terrestrial beings and, and find out their different things. So like, let me read like the table of contents. Um, the Society of Enoch, the Moab Terrestrial Colony, Terrestrial Colony Organization, Terrestrial Colony Finances, Community Service and Education, Terrestrial Technology, uh, Charitable Services, Divine Protection, Global Rescues, Family history, heavenly medicine, heavenly councils, heavenly highway, heavenly messengers, etc. I mean, there's there's lots of interesting little chapters in there, but the fact that terrestrial beings are already coming back to the earth and setting up lots of colonies, cities of light for the end times as we go through the tribulations, need to escape, get called out, kind of a thing, that those things are all getting set up. Um Oh, are they, they are people not like we uh, are translated and then we go there. It's people from not like, not like us. Is that what you mean? Uh -huh, yeah. So um, whether it's city of Enoch individuals or other ones that have been um, translated, um, but they, they've all went through a, a process. Yeah. They're not like we are. Um, but they're preparing places for us to actually go to. But yeah, let me find another book just a second. So that totally makes sense on one level. And on the other level, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Right.
So I can order that book on a books from England. It's 2519 and 1249 shipping. <laughs> oh dear. But it's on Amazon a lot cheaper, but it's just funny. It's coming from the UK. <laughs> Amazon has it for $14.99. Who has it? What'd you say? Amazon. Okay. Yeah, that's where I got mine. Was the Amazon. But you know, Kindle for $9.99. It it makes sense to me that um, because like the city of Unique, um they wanted to come back in the end time and help us. They, they asked to, to be able to do that and stuff. And so it makes sense to me that they would be doing this. And, and it makes sense to me also that um, Christ would be facilitating that, you know, as because he tells us the righteous will be protected and he's got to provide ways where they will be protected and stuff. So I think it just flows good. I think what I have issues with is, I don't know who Ruth White is and her interviewing these people. Um, is there any background that you have on her? Um, so if you ask any of her family, they say that she's crazy, but I mean, aren't we all? <laughs> but um yeah it, it's just kind of taking her at, at face value she's passed away now and i believe her husband is as well um but um they, they were really old when this happened but um uh she first seen like uh, a certain place and was like what is that? I've never seen that before. And it just popped up overnight kind of a thing. And then she was uh, guided to, to say like how her eyes have been open because she's been seeking certain things that now um, she can uh, kind of search it out. And so she, the, the main part of it goes through that uh, city of light there in Moab and how she's able to just observe. Um, she has like one spirit guide that um, is helping her, but um yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, again, it, it's, it's in the apocryphal kind of category, but yeah, I don't know. It makes sense to me though, because remember when Ellen said, you know, that like all gathering together physically, how could we do that? You know, like, so I'm guessing that there will be not just along the Wasatch Front or in Utah, even, but all over so that the saints can, we can all be experiencing the same thing yeah. well that's that's the purpose of the stakes right the stakes of zion and that's where each of our stake centers are stake mm -hmm. yeah and then there'll be like the call out when we we leave those stakes and, and flee into the wilderness um but that god provides for us in the wilderness and those are things that the the terrestrial colonies are are prepping well i think you know we're we're prepping that a lot here too we see uh, you know storehouses <laughs> periodically delivering to those places and, and things um but that the, the wilderness journey um is 
is being prepped not only by by us but by um, the, the terrestrial uh, beings as well as they're uh, going to be helping us in that transition phase. Find. Yeah, because it says it goes all the, I mean, the majority, the higher concentration from Alberta, Canada, down to the Rocky Mountains into the northern portions of Arizona. Are you reading from her book, Ruth White's book? No, this is on page 226, sorry. Oh, okay. Coordinations 226. Um, the, the section is translated beings established cities of light. So Darlene, I just wanted to ask you about your impressions of what your end time role is. Like how, what does that entail? Um, if, if you don't mind sharing, if you do, that's okay. No, that's fine. I, I still don't have a full grasp on it. I'm still getting pieces, but I've had uh, visions on part of what I am to do. And what the first one I had was I was uh, rescuing this forlorn gentleman and this place that everything was burned and he was just propped up against a tree and and um his family uh was all taken anyway he was by himself and he and he was so glad when i showed up and and then it was funny because uh, as a vision during the daytime and Cameron was there and I go because I didn't know where to take him this is my first time and uh, I says where do I take him and Cameron didn't know what I was talking about uh, but anyway he said we'll take him to Zion uh, so that's what I did that was my first one but then I've had more clearer ones since then but but that's why I I feel like that's my mission is to go out and and get those that are elect that will accept Christ and bring them to Zion. So, and there'll be places, you know, because um, not, not everyone can enter Zion until they're they're ready. And but there's places there that they'll be schooled and taught, and that and that's the mission of of several different people that's going to be doing that but uh mine seems to be going out on these missions to and i've already received my portal in the, another that one was in a dream but anyway but i'm still I learning I, I think i shared with yeah I think I shared with you guys that I had a vision during the endowment. It was during the creation. This was back in either 97 or 99. It was in the St. Louis temple. We lived in Illinois at the time. I don't remember if my horse was born or not. He was born in 98. So it's somewhere in there. And I'm just, I'm just watching, you know, 
the creation. And then I just see uh, home. I don't know what home it is. I open up the door. It's dark. It's cold. The wind is blowing. And there's like a mother, a father, and I, I think one child, they were wrapped in blankets. And I knew my job was to get them warm, fed, get them healed to put them on their way. I knew that's what it was. And then it ended and the creation was over. And I was like looking around at everyone, like what just happened? Like, I'm not asleep. I didn't sleep through that. I totally was watching a different film uh-huh. and just watching too. And I'm like, I don't think they saw it. And then try sitting through the whole rest of the environment that you can't talk to anybody, your husband or anyone, you know? So that was like totally not nice to show it to me at the beginning. <laughs> concentration wise anyway I don't know what house it was but I when we moved into this house we're on a hill on the slope the downside of a hill um we've got retaining walls in the backyard but I just when we moved in I just saw like tents there so a couple of years ago I went to Winco and they had all their stuff on sale it was 2020 all their summer stuff on sale and they had like little two person tents for $5. I'm like buying all these tents. <laughs> I've bought, bought air mattresses. I've bought, and it's not like I have that, that vision in mind. It's more like, I feel like, you know, blankets, we need more blankets. We're in Texas. Holy cow. You know, um, but up here it does get cold. Um, but yeah, I just always, um, doing that I have not felt like I've received anything more since then so how many sometimes it's just a little blip and then you just kind of run with it a little yeah 23 24 years later is it you know I just haven't received anything else except I feel like well no in 2020 I came home one day with all these bags of beans and my husband goes where what are you doing and I said I feel like I need to put together little packets of scotch broth to hand out to people. And I printed up the recipe and I've got all these things put in there, you know, cause I don't want the beans cooked with the rice and the grains cause they cook at different speeds. And then I've got the bouillon in there and I've got a paper in there on how to fix it and eat your first meal. Then what you could do with the second meal. And I have 150 of those. And my husband's like, where are you putting those? And cause he's, kind of like we're running out of space and I just looked at him and I go I don't know under the bed oh my gosh I can't under my bed is filled that's where the pots are he doesn't know I bought I bought it with my grocery money so you know <laughs> and then Amazon Prime came up and I was buying stuff on, and it's under there because our storage room is filled and anyway and then I came home after I got done with those I need to do hygiene packets I have like a hundred plus of those. I pulled out all my soaps from rest, restaurants, hotels. I went and bought toothbrush, toothpaste, hairbands, nail files, mm, washcloths. It seems like maybe a couple of other things. And I just started making these. And then I'd run out of something. I'd go get more. And then eventually I'm like, you know what? And then while I was making these, I'm like, am I just stupid? I'm just stupid. Like this is ridiculous and then this peaceful feeling came over nope you're good you're good I'm like okay so then I kept going out buying more stuff I'm like I can't just keep buying more stuff like I'm just going to be done and as I was putting these 
packets together. Some of them had two or three washcloths. Some well, had combs. Um, some of them have two or three combs. Some have four toothbrushes. I wanted lotion in there. Lo they all have lotion. I felt really strongly about lotion. And I just thought, you know what? I could see myself handing this out to a family going, wow, this was made just for you. Isn't that amazing that there's four of everything in here instead of one or two? And as I was putting those together, it was like I could just see, like I know that this, this happened and it will bless exactly the family it needs to bless. And I don't know if it's people in the upcoming recession, reset, uh, what do we call it? Um, more depression, like not even just a depression, like the, you know, wiping yeah. out of everything. Um, or if it's for these people that are, I don't know. I don't know what it's for. They're sitting in my closet, packed away, just yep. waiting. Further instruction will follow. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of, I kind of, when you said that, darling, it kind of spoke to me because I was like, hmm, I wonder, I don't know. I still don't know for sure if we'll be in this house. We have a cabin up in Idaho. Will we flee to Idaho? And it'll be, up there. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's your trick, going from that house to the other house and uh -huh. all along the way. And relying on the Lord to transport all our food storage because we don't really have much up there. It's all down here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Well, thanks for sharing that, Darlene. I appreciate it. Uh -huh. yeah. um, so, I don't know, before we... You know, on an, uh, another one or whatever, but like, what do we want to study for next time? Uh, you know, there's lots of different chapters and, and things to <laughs> go down, but um, do we want to do a different chapter, another part of chapter 17 or what? Oh, 237 is the full activation of the eighth chakra, huh? Uh-huh, Yeah. How much farther do we have in chapter 17? Oh, we still have a lot. Oh, no, not tons more. Uh -huh, yeah, there's just a few pages. Um, but yeah, that's why I was asking you before uh, we started, like, what, what chapters were your favorite to, like, record and stuff? Um, I don't know. Like, I really like the, the Ephraim Hanks chapter. Um, mm -hmm. Like seer stones, that was a, a huge chapter for me. I really liked that one. You're our leader, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> you get to pick. <laughs> I don't even know. What What are you guys feeling uh, in in your own life in your own preparations? Where What lack you yet? What What do you want more light and knowledge on? And we'll kind of try to pick a chapter around that. Maybe I don't know. I'm just really behind you guys. I feel like you met me. I'm like the most behind person there is. No, I'm just like Cameron, like you remind me of my oldest son that just before he left the church, he was he he was like Hugh Nibley. He would say, Mom, I read this in 
I read this article in the Enzyme and it says this, but then if you go to Jeremiah, it says this, and then the Doctrine and Covenants one whatever says this, and I'm like, how do you remember all this to put it together? And you you do that. You're you put things together and I'm like, I'm just doing good to read my scriptures and learn something that day, let alone pull in all these other scriptures and references to make sense of it. And when I don't remember even now what it was. Oh, about how this is, uh, you compared it to president Nelson's talk about see now I can't even remember. Um, but today you did it where you were um, comparing it to President Nelson's talk on, oh, spiritual momentum, the V with the V formation. I'm like, see, I didn't even, I didn't even get that. Like I did not put that together. Mm -hmm. But, so, you know, I, I think that that's just different people's insights. And that's why we, you know, like come together and, and everything, because I don't know, like, like I said, my brain works different mm -hmm. <laughs> on certain things. And sometimes it's not right either. And so, you know, I, one of my main preparations is creating like this library, this, this thing trying to, so I'm just kind of like this weird librarian who's like, I've read lots of different chapters in lots of different books and, and I can kind of connect things, but uh, as far as like actual knowledge that you know, like can I survive the tribulations probably not so like I'm going to be relying on other people that have other different skills and things but I've got the books so if you need a library use your and portal come visit me not only do you have the books but you're like oh yeah that talked about it where was that and you find it like I don't even remember I'm like oh yeah we did read that I'm the one after general conference that goes who gave that talk it was a really good talk about I can't remember. I think there was a boy in it, you know, and, and my husband and sons are like, oh yeah, it was elder so-and-so and it was this. And I'm like, yep, that's it. They will even give me the title of the talk. <laughs> yep. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't remember. You know, I think that that comes down to like your family nucleus, right? Like every, every member in your family is crucial for that family spiritual development. And your one son has that you know, yeah. ability he can reference and, and all that kind of stuff. He's the footnote guy. And yeah, then well, I wish he was still active. <laughs> <laughs> he will be. That's why you're learning in Isaiah decoded and all these kind of things of how to save him. And then he can turn around and save you and, and everybody works together. And uh, every, every member of each family is highly crucial. They have all the spiritual gifts in order to bring that family back to to, to father and you know sometimes it takes the tribulations to, to bring about the activation of all those gifts but it's all necessary and i think um families can work in lots of different ways right they can be our physical nuclear family units but they're also you know like this book club has become a family and i think we all have lots of different strengths that uh, we pull in and it's like oh i needed that and i need this and i need to learn from you etc i'm still looking for somebody that really knows good astronomy <laughs> so that can teach me by osmosis how all of the stars work but you know like uh, we we just keep going along trying to find all these different things but but yeah i you just run with the spiritual gifts that, that the Lord's just telling you to do. Um, because like, I, I find that that was a hard one for me when I first started the book clubs. I'm like, 
my gosh, I'm like so far behind everyone. Like, <laughs> what am I doing? You know, and, and the Lord's just like, you just need to facilitate. You don't need to teach. Just, just facilitate discussions every week and, and get it going and start learning. And holy cow, like, you know, how many, <laughs> I, I'm not saying this in a, a rude way, but like how many of the people in the book club send me articles and books like on a daily basis like you know my inbox is full almost every day uh, of things and I just can't get to everything but it's like you just are I'm so grateful that everyone <laughs> thinks that I'm this librarian that can house all this information in my head but like uh, it's just interesting I, I just collect and uh, that's just one of my things I, I'm just a collector of, of, of information but that's about all I bring to the table <laughs> other than that I, I'm a total mess information let me tell you because i am not a connector that way cameron, if you feel you that have... that's one of your gifts then that you need to develop then you just ask the lord to teach you and he'll make up the difference yeah you're right you still do remind me of a, a hugh nibley in 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 training so <laughs> in training. one day <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I know. I know. I'm not supposed to feed your ego, so I did not just feed your ego right then. But you know, isn't it interesting that Nibley is like one of the hardest people to listen to? Like, oh my gosh! Like sometimes oh, I hate him so much, <laughs> so much. He's so funny, and they'll slip things in there. Yeah. And my gosh, cracks me up. So the yeah. first time that I listened to one of his things, I was like, "Who is this crazy man?" <laughs> like, whatever be done and so and then i come back and i've learned to love the guy and i'm just like holy cow is this how i'm perceived sometimes like sometimes people just look no. at me like, oh my gosh you are so weird and then come back a couple of years later and they're like oh no cameron's good he's just weird but you know <laughs> so when you you both say that i'm like a hugh nibbly or whatever it's like yeah i i can see that i'm i'm the weird fruitcake of the group and then then there's something there <laughs> that's how your family perceives you yeah exactly that's what i'm saying like you know i i'm always the the weird odd duckling person of any group that i'm ever in i i'm the weirdo and <laughs> so it's like i don't know but we all have gifts and we all have very weird different gifts apart from everybody else but the lord groups us together when we need to well, they said he came out of nowhere, Hugh Nibley. He was nobody, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's writing paper after paper, and so that that'll be you. So wasn't he wasn't he instrumental in working with Avraham on his uh, doctorate dissertation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's got an IQ of over two hundred. Wow. <laughs> But that's, that doesn't describe me at all. Obviously, Do you guys all follow Rodolfo? He does the same thing too. Yeah, he's like very it's, much it's amazing. one of those high functioning individuals. I every time I look at Rodolfo's studies and stuff, I'm just like, what? Um, anyway, copy, paste, print. I'll look at it later because that's so far above my clearance level. I just can't. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's a great one. Well, um, I almost called you Ephraim. <laughs> Cameron, do you want to do Ephraim and Levi Savage chapter 27 next week then?
That would be a great one. Is everybody <laughs> on board with that? Next week, do you, Alethea? What? You said Wait, next week. not next week. We're going to do this once a month, right? Right, yep. next time. Next time, not next week. Okay, oh I can do this every day, but I got to be careful. I know. I'm, I'm like Cameron. I'm not in as many book clubs as Cameron, but I had my new state calling meeting today at nine. So I missed the Isaiah decoded. I kept looking at the clock and, you know, he goes in, I don't really have an agenda. And it's like, oh, this is uh -huh. going to be a one. <laughs> and an hour and a half plus we finally finished. You know, I think it was like an hour and 40 minutes. It's like, oh my gosh. So, yeah. But yeah, so our next call is on June eighteenth, right? Am I looking at that right? The third Thursday or third Saturday, which anyway, I'll have to figure that one out. Um, so four donations, June eighteenth at ten thirty a.m., and we'll study chapter twenty-seven, Levi Savage, E from Hanks. Oh, I mean that one's. Gonna question Cameron that's not related to this is do you know when we're going to start the I'd want to say end present Nelson but when we're going to start the school of the prophets and um, lectures on faith yeah let me pull that up really quick um, so the last week of President Nelson stuff is June 5th and June 8th and so um, the second week in June, um, tentatively, we'll be starting lectures on faith, school of the prophets. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I'm toying around with, with one idea. So it might be like a week after that, but sometime right around there, mid-June. Are you allowed to share what you shared with me about that and memorizing? What? <laughs> you got me i don't <laughs> am i allowed about, to for what about um the purpose of this what it will do for us what it can do for us oh oh the school of the prophets lectures on faith gotcha yes um so i, I shared it in my introductory video <laughs> to it but um i don't know it just kind of went over people's heads which is fine because i think it was supposed to at the time but yes um when people voted uh almost uh, in in favor of both book of nelson versus uh, uh school of the prophets i was like wait so are we actually supposed to study lectures on faith or or what and so i went to, to heavenly father about it and i was like what would what do you want us to do and he's like president nelson obviously first um but but the lectures on faith i was like how how would you like us to to approach that because that that's some pretty heavy stuff and um he says i mean it was like point blank it was it was powerful he's like study it the same way and you'll receive the same blessings and i'm like who me or with a group or what and he's like the group study it the same way you'll receive the same blessings and I was like, okay, then <laughs> that's going to be a fun journey. Um, so, uh, you know, outcomes of, of School of the Prophets, many of them received their, their calling and elections out of that. Uh, many of them seen Christ and, and God the Father uh, as they came and visited and, and taught them. Um, there's, there's a lot to it. 
If you study it the same way, you'll receive the same blessings, but it requires a lot of work. You're going to have to study the word of wisdom like you've never studied it before. You're going to have to, to memorize like you've never memorized before. It, there, there's a lot to it. But if you want the same blessings, you study it the same way. And you said that we didn't have to, to memorize it verbatim each, because there's like one a day, right? To, yeah, like so um, like the, the original schedule that I had uh, starting January 1, uh, going through, but, you know, we've postponed and, and pushed the, the School of the Prophets back a little bit. Um, and yeah, so it was um, uh, just a, a one sentence a day with that other schedule. But if you're only starting with, when we do start the, the lectures on faith or whatever, you're going to be memorizing a few things uh, each day kind of thing. But yes, it's, it's all about um, committing it to memory, not necessarily a verbatim type of rote thing, but the concepts that are in there are, are huge. And they have, you have to go through this transformation process of breaking down all of your Babylon and all of your preconceived traditions and saying, whoa, I didn't know this about Heavenly Father, or I didn't know this about Christ. And what does that do? You have to commit it to memory. You have to actually assimilate that knowledge and have it change your being in order to be able to, to be in a proper state where you can part the veil. It, I mean, part the veil in the fullest sense of the word. Like we can part the veil in lots of different ways prior, right? But um, as the School of the Prophets was prepping the missionaries, I mean, that was one of their, their main goals right at the beginning. They were prepping missionaries to go out with a full endowment of power before they received their endowment of power. And so this was preparing them to actually part the veil and receive answers. And, and many of them needed that before their, their ministries. And so... Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there, there's so much to it, but um, as, as we dive in, especially if you've never uh, done School of the Prophets or, or Lectures on Faith before, it, it, it's a mind bender. It, it really puts you through all of the challenges really quickly in order to, um, to get there. I don't know how else to say it, <laughs> but yeah. So when um, first gave out the assignment of one sentence, like, my mind couldn't process it, but I sat and thought about it and rewrote each one, and it made it better. But then we started doing all this other stuff. I, have, I put it away, but I could I could understand better when I rewrote it into words that I could understand. Not that the words were difficult, but just in the, just the way that I could process it. So I don't know if that would be Yeah, and and like I said, I think that that because I was like. I don't, do I tell people <laughs> that, that same thing? Like, am I, do I have permission or whatever? And he said, say it in this way. And, and so I created that, that video to kind of introduce it or whatever. And I think it was because there were some in the group that, that didn't need it at that time or whatever, but it had to be kind of in a, a different light before. Anyway, when we get into it, the full enchilada, we'll, <laughs> we'll be discussing it at length and stuff, but um Anyway, uh, after that experience and after I put out that video and, and stuff like that, um, then I, I prayed to have a, a vision of, of the outcome with our book clubs. And um, anyway, 
it, it's been interesting, especially with the timeline of the world and how it's going and who knows if we're going to have communication much longer and stuff It you might be on your own for <laughs> finishing up the, the lectures on faith, uh, but uh, the final steps of it. But regardless, it study it the same way, you'll receive the same blessings. <laughs> So when, remind me, I knew we were supposed to memorize. Is it the book we're supposed to memorize? Oh, so if you look at lectures on faith um, in, in the questions at the bottom. So, I mean, it's, it's very much a curriculum-based thing. Here's the study material, and then here's the questions for discussion. Right. And in the, the questions for discussion, it says this, <laughs> this verse is so important, it should be committed to memory. And so those are just the ones that I've, I've pulled out as, as a memorization schedule. Okay. Yeah. Cause I couldn't remember what it was, <sighs> but yeah, uh, the whole concept of the Godhead, when you dive in and, and fully understand it, it, it'll change you, <laughs> but we can't come into God if we don't know his true character, his perfections and attributes. And so, mm -hmm. you know, look at what president Nelson has, has tried to, to get us to do, you know, he extended the invitation to the youth first and then uh, to the, the church as a whole, but um, a topical guide study of, of just Christ um, marked him as a different man. And uh, the same thing is, is true with the lectures on faith. Once you put off all traditions <laughs> and, and come unto the Godhead in their full character, um, their true character, then you can't be hidden from the veil. I mean, you can't be restricted. It's like brother of Jared. Like, did you see more than that? No, but because of your faith and, and a true care or a true knowledge of, of his character, you can't be kept from within it. It, it. it then becomes you kind of a thing. And it's interesting since that, like I've been memorizing, but um, he specifically told me not to prep. Don't read the lectures on faith until the, the class does. And okay, I won't. <laughs> so it, it's, it's an interesting one. We'll see. So it's actually an act of faith to study <laughs> the lectures on faith with us, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's been interesting. Like I, I created the, the lesson plans very much through prayer and everything, um, but I have not actually went through them. Uh, again, like I, I read them, I don't know, two, three years ago, um, but I have... I don't know, as an instructor not to, to go through them until the, the rest of the group is there. So yeah, it'll be a fun one. <laughs> I'm super excited and I hope that the internet at least stays around till we get through like- Are there, sorry. How many, how long, how many weeks is it for us? <laughs> um, let's see, it's been a while since I looked at the schedule, just a second. Um, there are 13 weeks. Thank you. What does that put us as? Because like originally all my dates are off because we extended President Nelson. But um, let's see. When did I say that that starts mid-June? So if we did that, it's 13 weeks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. So um, sometime in September will end so i you know i probably shouldn't record that but um 
I, I firm, firmly believe that the Wasatch wake up is, is this fall. Um, and so we'll, we'll see how that affects things. If, you can always push pause on record. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I should have done that. So I don't know I, if we have internet, if we don't, but you might have to finish the last few weeks of lectures on faith on your own, but maybe that was the whole purpose behind extending President Nelson's thing so that that would be our process or who knows? I don't know. All I know. So then do you think it would be a good idea to purchase, because um, I was just going to do lectures on faith online, because I know you said that there were plenty of things online that you could get, because I don't have a physical copy of the book. But if things are going down, it might be a good idea to have a physical copy. Yeah. So like the last time I was at Deseret Book, uh, or not Deseret, uh, DI, um, two weeks ago, I picked up like four copies of it. <laughs> so, I've not had, can you show me what it looks like so I know what I'm looking I for? I think there's all different front covers. Like yeah, whoever, there's all sorts of different ones. Yeah, it's not in copyright anymore. So people just publish it and there's all different front covers. Hey, Cameron, are you considered in the Wasatch Front in Malta? No. <laughs> he is in his heart though. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think so. Well, the thing is, like Malta's not, but that's not where I'm going to be. Um, this is my lectures on faith, just a little. Booklet. How thick would you say that is? It's not very thick. It's 80 pages. No, not even that. I mean, it's little. Lectures on faith is not a, a big thing. Okay. You start diving in. I mean, so it, it's something that you could even just like look at like a website or whatever, copy and paste and print it out and it's not going to be super long. Okay. Thanks for being in tune, Cameron. <laughs> no, thank you guys for showing up and contributing and stuff. Remember when we started these book clubs, Mother? I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> step by step, everything plays into um, each other. Yeah. Um, which talk was it that President Nelson, we just studied it, and it, he had the five things that we were to do to, there was, uh, get on the covenant path and stay there and and uh seek miracles and but anyway this learn about god and his ways and stuff was in there and this exactly falls under that yeah so that, that was number three the, the center of the chiasm mm -hmm. oh <laughs> so it's interesting um when was that talk given? Just I now. Guess. Huh? This is last one. It was it the last one? That's what I was thinking, but then I couldn't find the Yeah, spiritual momentum. Yeah. Because it's the basketball analogy, how he and Christ initiate the spiritual momentum and then we are the ones to carry yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, isn't that interesting that that has fallen under that or did you plan that out <laughs> <laughs> got one no 
me and President Nelson didn't coordinate our, our schedules. <laughs> I can, ask, can I ask one more question? I know we got to go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I asked this, or I tried to ask this, and I think I didn't ask it clearly. Um, and it may not again. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so he's indicating we're at the beginning of the halftime, you know, the pep talk to get prepared for the second half of Sorry. FaceTime video. So my impression is that it's all we're we are in the second coming already, and it's just long. It's mm -hmm. it, years. So that means we're halfway. I guess I'm trying to get at a timeline. <laughs> we're half. We're at the beginning of the. We're 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 in the eye of the storm, I guess, right now. And so, um, I'm trying to figure out when the second coming would have started. I'm I'm thinking of the you know the the hinge point that they were talking about. I I just don't know. Anybody have any ideas? Good question. I don't even know. Um, like Hinckley, you know, we, we pop back to that uh, phrase all the time that uh, the millennium starts within the heart. Um, uh, if, if a righteous man, da, 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 I can't remember the full thing, but the millennium has already begun in that home kind of a thing. And so I, I don't, I don't know. I, I never have been able to like pinpoint like a beginning point of, of anything. And maybe than, that. Maybe that's because it's different from for everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they can talk in a general sense as much as they can, but like when it comes down to you and, and your home, when does it start for you kind of thing? Mm -hmm. um, for, for me, I would define that as 2020. I mean, like it, it started, I started learning and growing and stuff, you know, throughout the years and stuff. But 2020, when I finally woke up, it was like, oh, okay, now has the millennium begun? No. So what do I need to do to get it to begin and do, 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 do. And that was like the, that was when I would say that the actual millennium started within me kind of a thing. And so it began this purge and learning process. And, and then it kind of mushrooms from there, but I don't know uh, to, uh, to pinpoint it as like, when did the church enter into that? Uh, at least the, the beginning phases of it. Um, I don't know. I would say as early as 2015, but I don't know. I, I don't I don't well, know. You've got president uh, sister Nelson at the beginning of 16, wasn't it saying, what if you knew that Christ is coming? So I'm thinking it has to be at least, at least by then, but mm -hmm. I don't yeah. Just, just curious it's interesting so like taking visions of glory i mean obviously we don't do it as scripture right but um at so there's the wasatch wake up and then a year later when they're at the conference right joseph smith said that adam on Almond just happened uh the the reporting of it so the first adam on because there's you know the three different ones but um the first adam on Almond meeting happened uh, right prior to that conference so if that's the case and if 
I, I'm, you know, this is a lot of speculation. Let's just supposition, but um, if the Wasatch wake up was, was this fall and the, that Salt Lake conference was next fall, that means the, the first Adam on Diamond could happen potentially um, pretty soon, you know, within a year or so. And look at the preparations that are going into Adam on Diamond right now. Like uh, one of my, uh, neighbors here was just back in Adam on Almond and President Ballard was there just working like crazy. <laughs> so I don't know. What does that, that mean for things? Who was it? was just saying, was it President Nelson? Oh, I have my brains kind of like a sieve here. Um, that, that all, Becky, are you there, Becky? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> when I, somebody was saying, somebody, you know, like a prophet was saying that, that um, things will need to be, that things will be restored before. The, do you remember what I said, Becky? This is terrible. Nope. I'm sorry. Before. I'm no help. And the curse and the keys are, are, I don't know what this is about three Adam on Diamond meetings. What is that all about? I'm not up to speed. So like the, the first one where it's just the dispensation heads giving it all back to Adam and then Adam going back to Christ and then um, future Adam on Diamonds where uh, they, they kind of almost grow in intensity. More people are invited. There's the great priesthood um, congregation yeah. and then uh, when it's a full on gathering kind of thing. It seems like the last one is the the feast, the bridal feast. Yeah, the bridal feast. Okay. So, I mean, that's the one we often assume or refer to when we say, you know, Adam and Diamond, and we got to be there, kind of thing. That that bridal feast is the the final one, right well, before the, the millennium. Because then that would be what I what. When I find it again, I'll, I'll let you know. But it must be the third one that they're talking about when things have been restored, that that mm -hmm. they won't occur until then. So, all right. Thank you. Another weird one. So with the, the Spiritual Physics of Light book, <laughs> uh, a big aha moment I had on that was also keep in mind during those first few chapters of the parable of, of the virgins and the light that they were using versus what he's describing. He doesn't make that connection. Uh, he doesn't present that connection, but, but it's an interesting one. If you'll study that out, I don't think there's any coincidence of, of what the parable is uh, specifically regarding light and, and what we need in order to enter the, the bridal feast kind of thing. Okay. Thank you. Basically, that, that's your number one go-to book. <laughs> what book is that? The Spiritual Physics of Light. Oh, yeah. I, it's just fresh on my mind is all. I was reading it yesterday, and so that's everything I can quote, I guess. <laughs> but I tell you what, because, I, you know, like my mom will attest, my brain goes like a million miles a minute as far as like planning things and stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, so... It was, it was probably two, three weeks ago. I was like, I woke up and it was like, do this. And, and so I planned it all out, but then it, it didn't end up being 
anything. But anyway, but it was like this this conference that I needed to um, to hold, and the conference was called "Writing Yourself into Zion." It was how to to write your own story, and uh, you know, kind of based on on these fictional things of, of Zion. I don't know how much I've talked about that in whatever groups and stuff. But anyway, it all came to me in like this download of like day one you do this this and like all of the stuff and then it was like okay so like should i announce it to the book club and, and find out what dates everybody wants to do it and stuff and i was like no 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 just put it away <laughs> only father what do you want <laughs> like sometimes like things will just come up but they're just for future and and who knows what it'll be but i think um kind of going back to uh like what my mom and Alethea were talking about earlier, like, like sometimes you receive like little visions or, or snippets of, of your future mm -hmm. missions kind of thing or whatever. And mine's like, mine deals with books and libraries and learning and uh, helping people grow into that. So I think that, I mean, I, I say this in a totally flippant and sarcastic way, right? But like, I think you guys are my guinea pigs to discover my spiritual talents, right? Like how to lead book clubs, how to, how to help people um, come together, study Zion and get from that point to party in the veil. And, and I think that that's what the Lord was having me go through the whole time. You start with Abraham. That's the beginning that everything revolves around his story. And then you transition to Isaiah and then you transition to triumph of Zion. And, and it's just like this, this thing of my personal preparation. And you guys are just like <laughs> teaching me so much all along the way of how to refine my gifts and abilities and, and character and attributes, et cetera. Uh, even though you guys didn't probably know it, <laughs> but all of this is, has been this weird uh, training ground for, for me and what I'm supposed to be doing in, in the future. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out. That's Can't so wait cool. till we all meet up in Zion and we go, we did it, guys. We all helped each other. Thank you. <laughs> Can you believe this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm, you know, I, <laughs> did I tell you guys like my, the, the restaurant here closed down or whatever. So I don't have anything to do on Saturdays. I'm just kidding. I have lots to do, but I, at least I don't have to go to work. I don't have time constraints anymore. <laughs> I can just spend my time gardening. Well, that's, that's kind of a two-edged sword because now you're not working there, huh? <laughs> yeah. Which is great because like, I was just helping them at, at the beginning and I was just like, oh my gosh, how do I quit and be nice about it? And, okay. Uh, so you didn't want to work there. I thought maybe no. you needed to work there and I was like, oh no. No. Yeah. I, I'm so grateful to be done anyway, but yeah, it tied up my Saturdays quite a bit because I was just like, oh, I want to do so many things, but, but it came at a perfect time when now I can like garden and, and be there. Cause like the Lord told me um, that I needed to triple the size of my garden this year. I was like, okay, but with what time? Like, <laughs> I don't even have time for one garden, let alone three. Like, what are you, anyway, but, um, but now I get to, it's going to be fun. I'm going to spend the rest of the day out in the, in the sun. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else? Uh, whatever. So tomorrow we'll, we'll see some of you for group A and B. Um, studying the youth talks this this next week is going to be fun. I, I love those ones.
Um, but yeah, we'll cover you from Hanks here in a, a few weeks and catch back up on that. I don't know. <laughs> yep. We'll see y'all later. It's been, okay. it's been a fun discussion. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye.